Welcome into Locked On Phillies. In today's episode, position players have officially reported to Clearwater for spring training. We'll break down some of the biggest storylines for them for the 2023 season in today's episode of Locked On Phillies. You are Locked On Phillies, your daily Philadelphia Phillies podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, this is Locked On Phillies. I am your host, Connor Thomas. Been talking Phil's baseball for years. You know me from the radio, 97.5 The Fanatic. You might know me from television, NBC Sports Philadelphia every once in a while. And uh, credentialed Philadelphia Phillies media member, happy to be here with you as your host of Locked On Phillies. I want to thank you for making Locked On Phillies your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your pod. I was going to say that weird podcast. I was going to say podcast. Like a Boston accent somehow? I don't know how that came out. You know what I mean. Man, we're already off the rails early. Fun episode of Locked On Phillies planned for you today as we review some of the big storylines from down in Clearwater surrounding the position players uh, that you're going to be watching in 2023, both in camp and in the regular season. So without any further ado, let's jump into it. The first place we're looking, we're looking at the outfield. And I've mentioned this many times, right? The outfield depth is not to my liking. And we found out that it's not really to the Philadelphia Phillies liking either because reports out of spring training are that Edmundo Sosa is being taught center field, or at least they're working him out in center field to see if he can do that. Now, Edmundo Sosa is a great utility guy in the infield. I don't know his ability to play outfield a bit. We'll see. The fact that the Phillies are saying that they want to work him out out there and they're training him to do that and he's learning center field shows you that they look at the depth of Dalton Guthrie and Jake Cave and then in the minor leagues, Jalen Ortiz and Johan Rojas and say, yeah, we don't feel too comfortable with that right now. And when Harper's back, sure, we'll be fine. But until we get to that point, Edmundo Sosa is probably a guy you trust more at the major league level at the plate. So if you can teach him to play the outfield, well, it gives you more depth out there and it increases Sosa's value. So, yeah, keep an eye on the outfield depth. I've mentioned it multiple times. Really, with Marsh Castellanos and Schorber as your starters, if any of those guys go down, you've got a – net minus from whoever's going to be playing the position in uh, in relief of them, whether it's Jake Cave, whether it's Dalton Guthrie, whether it's Edmundo Sosa at a new position. So just got to hope those guys are healthy and stay healthy. But also this means like if you have a backup outfielder, you could potentially DH Schwarber some days to give him a day off, DH Castellanos some days to give him a day off. Can't do that unless you trust your backup options in the outfield. So the Phillies are still working through that. Speaking of Nick Castellanos, the next big storyline from the outfield is Nick Castellanos set for a jump or a jump back, a bounce back season in 2023. A lot of people have been talking about this. This is a very common storyline when it comes to the 2023 Philadelphia Phillies. Now, Nick Castellanos said last year that he felt uncomfortable here, never really settled in to Philadelphia, and his play certainly reflected that. But Early sayings from Castellanos are that he feels better this year and more comfortable because he never really got settled last year, and now he's more settled. Listen, I don't know what's going on in the guy's head. All I know is he was swinging at everything out of the zone all year long last year. He was underwhelming based on name recognition, based on past performance, based on value of contract. Any way you slice it, Nick Castellanos was a slight disappointment 
in 2022. And I'd be willing to bet that he'd say the same thing if he looked at the way that he played compared to his stats uh, in the past. Now, does that mean that he's going to stink in 2023? No, he could easily have a bounce back year. And that's why a lot of people are talking about it. His career numbers show you that he's a better baseball player than what he gave you last year. And if he is indeed feeling more comfortable, then that's great. That should lend to you believing that there could be a jump back from Nick Castellanos uh, when it comes to average, maybe the power numbers, the doubles numbers, being a gap hitter, uh, go up again and everything like that. Defensively, uh, he is what he is. That's not like he's god-awful defensively. He's just not a plus defender, so you're going to get what you get from him. It's the same thing as Kyle Schwarber. But whether or not Nick Castellanos can bounce back is going to be a huge storyline of this Philadelphia Phillies season. If he becomes the guy again that could bat, clean up, fifth, sixth, be in the middle of the lineup, and actually produce from those spots as opposed to what he did last year, which was be a middle-of-the-lineup guy that really cost you in some big spots, well, this team gets that much better. Think about it. This team, even with the assumption that Nick Castellanos is what he was last year, which wasn't a terrible baseball player, but it wasn't great by his standards. With that assumption that he's that guy again this year, this is still an incredible team and one of the best offensive teams in all of baseball. If he gets back to, let's say, 2021, when he was the NL All-Star starter in right field uh, out of the Cincinnati Reds, like if he gets back to that, this team is unbelievable. I mean, they already kind of are, but who trots out a better lineup than that if Nick Castellanos is All-Star caliber this year? And don't make no mistake. He could be. He didn't forget how to hit a baseball, okay? I promise you Nick Castellanos did not forget how to hit a baseball last year. If this is a bounce-back year, and it's a big bounce-back year, it's a big difference for the Phillies. I'm, I don't know one way or another. I lean towards him being better than he was in 2022, but worse than he was in 2021, and finding kind of that middle ground, which is all you really need from him with how strong this team is uh, outside of Nick Castellanos. But, hey, if it – if he exceeds my expectations, the Phillies are in a really darn good spot. And speaking about exceeding expectations, Brandon Marsh did that in 2022 since coming over here from the Los Angeles Angels at the trade deadline. He was better offensively than what he was billed as. And credit for that's got to go to Kevin Long, who already worked on stuff with his swing uh, this past season. Now you got a full offseason of Brandon Marsh on a Kevin Long hitting plan. You've got a full spring training for those two to work together and work on turning Brandon Marsh into a a positive offensive player, and he was at points last year down the stretch a positive offensive player for this team. He's a great defensive player, and you know that's a lock year in and year out for a guy with his type of speed and instincts in center field. But if he can become an offensive plus, uh, that's another thing that significantly helps you. I'd be batting Brandon Marsh ninth right now, and that's not a knock to him. It's just ninth is often billed as your second leadoff hitter, and I think he fits really well into that spot because of his speed, uh, and because he would be able to, if he hit like he did down the stretch last year, set the table for Trey Turner uh, rather than Trey Turner just always having to bat, uh, lead off with the bases empty and everything like that. Because Trey Turner does have a little bit of pop as well. He's not just a hit 310 average guy and never hit home runs. So I like Brandon Marsh down there. But if you can have him batting like 285 or 280 even out in the nine hole, that's a huge increase for your offense compared to what you were trotting out at the start of the year last year at the bottom of the order. So, yeah, Brandon Marsh's development is just one other thing that you want to keep an eye on when it comes to the outfield and those storylines. Coming up next, we're going to jump into the infield. and We're going to talk a little bit about how Bryson Stott assimilates to a new position or maybe back to an old position and how comfortable he is there. 
Is your catcher in any type of danger of a regression? And at first base, well, contract year, does that automatically guarantee a strong year from Reese Hoskins? And how comfortable are we with him heading into 2023? A lot of fun stuff still to get into as we shift gears to the infield coming up as we continue Locked on Phillies. All right, I want to tell you about my friends over at Bilt Bar. The holiday season, yeah, you know, that's tough on your body. But you know what's even tougher? When you make those New Year resolutions and you don't stick to them. And then the weather starts to get warmer and you find out that, well, I spent the last two, three months when it was cold outside sitting inside crushing candy bars or eating snacks and chips and everything like that. And they weren't good for me. Well, I'll tell you what is good for you. Built Bar is great for you. Some of the numbers on them. I mean, the calories, could you imagine having less than 200 calories? in a chocolate bar or anything like that. Like, come on, that's crazy. That stuff is uh, an amazing amount of sugar and everything in your body. No, Built Bars have 100% real chocolate, but only uh, a whopping 17 grams of protein, four grams of sugar. It's like, it's unbelievable how little sugar and bad stuff there is for you in the Built Bar. They have the marshmallow puffs that taste even better, in my opinion. You can go ahead and try those out. A lot of awesome flavors like peanut butter, churro, uh, chocolate chip cookie dough, all this great stuff. It's great for you. The numbers are great. You can pick them up at Walmart. You can pick them up at Sam's Club. It's the best protein bar out there on the market for you as far as taste, as far as how it works. And it can help you get squared away for your summer body, which is right around the corner. So go ahead and check out my friends over at Built Bar. All right, some infield storylines. Let's start. Let's go in the order that I teased it. So let's start with Bryson Stott. Stott's going to be in an interesting place this year. He's heading towards the sophomore slump, which is a common thing in baseball. It, it happens. We watched Alec Bohm go through it and kind of struggle through it at the start of last year, too, before he came out of what was a really tough year. Like, think about it. his second year. So his first year he comes up, he was in the conversation for NL Rookie of the Year in the pandemic shortened 2020 season. And then in 2021, he gets sent down partway through the year because he has no idea what he's doing at the major league level. And then 2022, he starts rough, and we all know what happened to Alec Boehm to start the season last year and what he got caught on camera saying. And then he comes out of it and has a great year for the Phillies in 2022. But remember, his second season was a, a bit of a show without the first word that goes ahead of it that you can put together yourself. It, it wasn't great for Alec Boehm, and Bryce Assad is heading into that, and not every player goes through that. Some players are just good the whole way through. Some players... They play well in their second year and then fall apart in their third year. And it's an up and down thing. Baseball is a tough game. It really is. I'm not breaking any news there. But does Bryson Stott have a second year regression in him? Because I think he was ahead of what a lot of people in the organization thought his schedule was going to be last year. He was up on opening day, but I don't think they saw him being as much of a contributor to that team as he was last year. Can he make a jump on that? Can he improve on that? Will going to second base, his more natural position for some people, uh, and I don't I don't know. We saw him play both last year. I think that's a little overrated. Are you a second baseman or are you a shortstop? By this point, they played a lot of it at both positions if you're coming up as a young infielder. And if you're a good defender, you're a good defender. Like you're telling me if you I put Trey Turner at second base, he would stink. Like I always thought that was a little bit overrated when it comes to how people value guys stuck in certain positions but people are saying some people are saying that second base is a more natural position for Bryson Stott he gets to play there a little bit easier position defensively does that take a little bit of load in the field off the kid that he could focus on the offense more I don't know it's very interesting to see where Bryson Stott goes from here but remember that sophomore slump is a real thing for some players hopefully Bryson Stott can avoid it 
Let's talk about JT Romuto now, too. Now, this is an interesting spot, right? Because JT Romuto has been the best catcher in baseball for a couple years now. Man's unbelievable. He's great. He's first team all MLB catcher this past year. Uh, gold glove winner. He's unbelievable behind the dish. He's unbelievable at the plate. This guy is just as good as it gets at the catcher's position right now in baseball. And here's what I'll say. He's uh, 31 turning 32 on March 18th. Birthday right around the corner for JT. Happy early birthday, buddy, if you're listening to this. Appreciate that. Um, But when he turns 32, you're looking at a catcher that's getting into his early 30s. Well, already technically is, but he's getting close to the mid-30s. He's been really good. He's been a workhorse for this team. He's caught a lot of innings. He's a guy that never wants to take days off. That type of stuff catches up to you. The toughest position to have longevity at in baseball is catcher. It's near impossible because of the wear and tear on your knees, the wear and tear on your body. He's constantly getting hit in the face mask. He's constantly getting hit in the body by foul balls and stuff like that. He's crouching all the time. He's a guy whose athleticism really plays into how good he is uh, at the plate, on the base paths, behind the plate. It's not like a guy who just has a rocket for an arm, never really was able to move all that well and just throws people out and hits like 35 home runs. Like uh, that's, that's not it for him. His athleticism plays so hugely. I'm worried that this could be a year that we begin to see a natural regression due to age by JT Romito. Not that I think he's going to overnight stink. Uh, and not that I'm sure this is coming. This is just like, this is a cautionary thing. Start thinking about, what happens when JT Romuto starts to regress? Because he's been so consistently good at the position and such a lock for just, he's going to be the best catcher in baseball all year long. He's going to give you this. He's going to give you this. He's going to give you this. Year in and year out, you're going to get this guy that's just head and shoulders above every other catcher that you have available to you. That's great, but that's not a constant. That doesn't happen forever. And as you get deeper into the 30s, it's more and more likely that the year coming is going to be a step back for JT. And we really haven't seen it since he's been a member of the Philadelphia Phillies. So that's something to keep an eye on. And the final one I want to draw attention to is Reese Hoskins. Now, Reese is obviously in a contract year, obviously not a great defender, obviously a plus guy at the plate. We know all these things. How does that concoction come together to create Reese Hoskins' 2023 season? Is he the type of player that mentally in a contract year is going to push that much harder and basically to a lesser extent do what Aaron Judge did last year for the New York Yankees? He's in a contract year. He's a guy that there are questions about injury and is he just a power hitter and this, that, and the other thing. And he goes out and he had 62 home runs and sets the American League record in uh, those uh, navy blue pinstripes up there in the Bronx. Does Reese Hoskins have like an Aaron Judge light season this year where he goes out and he hits 40 home runs and he's uh, hot more than he's cold and he plays serviceable enough defense because he's so zoned in on getting the biggest payday of his life coming up here? Like this is the contract for Reese Hoskins. This is the one that's going to be his biggest money earning opportunity of his professional career. And I don't believe the Phillies are going to extend him in season. I do lean every day. I lean more and more towards the Phillies are going to bring back Reese Hoskins after this year. I don't know what my feeling is on that. Maybe it's just the fact that John Middleton Middleton seems hell bent on spending all the money in the world to have the best available players on his team. And I think Hoskins could be the best available first baseman uh, this offseason. But 
Bottom line is there's a lot of interesting stuff swirling around Reese Hoskins, who had a really good postseason last year. Uh, he had a really good final stretch of the regular season. Like, this was a guy that had a good year when you can take out the defensive lapses that drive us insane. I don't know. That's kind of just who he is as a ball player. So can you stomach that? Are you comfortable with that? Maybe DH sees a lot more Reese Hoskins, or I guess, guess I should say Reese Hoskins sees a lot more time at DH than we saw in past years because Bryce Harper uh, is out due to injury. So I, I don't know. I should say past year because last year was the first year with the NLDH, but you get what I'm saying. He's one of the most interesting position players on this team, maybe the most interesting position player on this team as far as question marks and what is he truly and will he be back and everything like that. So Reese Hoskins is a guy to focus on this year, and he's a guy that we already focus on so much because if he could just figure it out defensively, man, this infield would be so good, and this would be such a plus point of the team. But it's always a drawback, and then he has a cold stretch, and everybody's calling for him to never play baseball again. Reese Hoskins is a very good baseball player, but how good will he be this year, and how much money will it lead to him commanding? Another thing to certainly look at. Speaking of the DH, as we wrap up today's episode, I want to discuss a little bit about what the Philadelphia Phillies could do at DH because it's an interesting spot, especially with Bryce Harper injured to start the year. Who spends the most time there while we await number three's return? I'll tell you who I think coming up next as we wrap up Lock on Phillies. Okay, let me tell you a little bit about my friends over at FanDuel. Midway point of the NBA season has just gone by. The All-Star game, gone. Now, time for the second part of the season. And now's the perfect time to download FanDuel America's number one sportsbook because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drain. Listen, I love our Sixers. I love Joel Embiid and James Harden, how they've been playing. They have a really, really tough stretch coming up of games. You could see a bit of a regression from them. They play a tough schedule. Go ahead and keep an eye on that. See if you can win some money based on betting on a Sixers. A bit of a slowdown from how hot they've been the last couple months. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Okay, let's wrap up with some DH talk. Now, I've already told you, and I'll have my version 3.0 of opening day 26-man roster coming out on tomorrow's episode, and we'll run through that. But I've already told you I don't really think Derek Hall has a spot on this team right now. I, I don't think he's a proven enough all-around hitter at the major league level, doesn't give you all that much defensively. I, I don't think he fits with this team as well as Josh Harrison, say, does, or Edmundo Sosa obviously does. So, I'm taking him off the board for this DH conversation right now. Here's what I'm looking at as far as potential designated hitters to start the year. Edmundo Sosa is an option. I don't think he's a great option, but he's an option. He's probably your best hitter off the bench right now if the opening day lineup is indeed Marsh, Castellano, Schwarber. Uh, as far as your outfield, your infield is Hoskins, Stott, Turner, Boehm, your catcher is JT Romuto. Your next best bat might be Edmundo Sosa. That's not great. Derek Hall would probably be a better option than that at the H just because he can leave the yard more consistently than Sosa. But uh, I don't know. That's one of your options. Another one of your options is looking at a guy like Josh Harrison, who's not a great offensive threat either, but he's a veteran guy who's 
played a lot of major league games. Maybe you can figure something out there. You could go with Jake Cave, who isn't terrible offensively. I, I mean, I don't like any of those options. None of those sound attractive to me. I don't say any of those names, Sosa or Cave or uh, who was the other guy I listed? Sorry. Oh, Josh Harrison. I don't hear any of them say, okay, good DH. I want that guy in the lineup every single game. Uh, I have a bit of an interesting outside-of-the-box thought on DH, and it involves Reese Hoskins being your designated hitter. I know what you're saying. Well, then who plays first base? That's a fair question. I, I know. Who, who plays first base? Another option could be, like, you could uh, DH guys days off. You could always do that. Like, Stott, uh, Bohm, Turner, if they need a day off, you play Sosa at their position or Josh Harrison at their position, they could go in that DH role. Listen, a lot of guys on this team could be in the DH role, but maybe the best guy to be in it would probably be Reese Hoskins. Here's why I say that. It's a bit shaky, but there may be a path to him being not an everyday DH, but an often DH. We talked about JT Romito and his knees, and we haven't seen a drop-off yet, but that's no guarantee it's not coming. And catchers, they wear away quickly uh, in baseball. That's just the nature of the position. We know JT can play first base. We know Reese Hoskins can DH. And we know that Garrett Stubbs was pretty good at points last year as your backup catcher. Do I want Garrett Stubbs playing, I don't know, 15 of your first 20 games at catcher? No, no, not to DH Reese Hoskins and put JT Romito at first base. But I do think while Bryce Harper recovers more times than we saw last year, you're going to see JT at first base, Hoskins DHing, and Garrett Stubbs catching. That's what I would do. That seems to me the best way to preserve JT's health the best way to preserve Reese Hoskins from not having to play defense and trusting a guy like Garrett Stubbs, who I think is better than people are giving him credit for. And I'd like to see a little bit more of him this year, not over JT Romuto. In addition to JT Romuto, allowing Reese Hoskins to the age, putting what could be your best offensive lineup without Harper out there. Now, when Harper comes back, it's an easy decision. He either DHs or you move Castellanos to left and put Harper in right and Schwarber DHs, uh, it gets real easy with Bryce Harper. So you just got to get to that point. But yeah, a little bit of an outside the box thought on designated hitter. Maybe Derek Hall could be that guy if they end up calling him up or he ends up being on the opening day roster. But an interesting spot to see how the Phillies handle the designated hitter role going forward in the 2023 season, at least until Bryce Harper's healthy. So just food for thought as we uh, wade through spring training. But yeah, position players have reported. Pitchers and catchers were already down there. Everyone's in spring training. We're starting in full swing in earnest as of today, and just another step closer, another milestone day closer to Philadelphia Phillies baseball. That's all for Locked on Phillies. I want to thank you for making Locked on Phillies your first listen every day. Now make your second listen Locked on MLB Prospects. Uh, Lindsey Crosby does a great job over there with a bunch of the up-and-coming stars of tomorrow in baseball. Check out his work available wherever you get your podcast, YouTube, Odyssey app, all that good stuff. Go ahead and check his workout. Check our workout here. Rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. I appreciate it. So thank you very much for following along with Locked on Phillies. And I'll talk to you all next episode of Locked on Phillies tomorrow.